Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. It's been 3,277 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 358 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. A quick errors and omissions. We incorrectly reported the Darmstein Working Group meeting date as February 20th. The correct date was February 14th. Because the truth matters and we are committed to transparency, our chief content officer wrote a note here that says it is 100% on him he recorded the date wrong. We appreciate your understanding. Let's go ahead and get started with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, we maintain that winter weather may play a larger role on the battlefield through February 19th. Second, we maintain that Russia's large-scale offensive has started, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, is attempting to retake the initiative. Third, we have low confidence that Russian forces will launch a larger, concentrated offensive in one or more directions on or before February 24th. Fourth, we maintain that data shows that Russian tactics and the quality of training for Movic units is only incrementally better than the first wave into Ukraine in October, and the Russian military within Ukraine remains incapable of dramatically changing the battlefield situation in the coming weeks. Fifth, We maintain that the Russian Minister of Defense is actively working to eliminate the influence of private military company or PMC Wagner Group and its leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, both on and off the battlefield. Sixth, our assessment that a missile strike would follow the Rammstein Working Group meeting, although we did get the meeting date wrong, was regrettably accurate. The risk of another punitive missile and drone strike on civilians and civilian infrastructure on February 23rd and 24th is extremely high. Seventh, we maintain that Russian forces will continue to target electrical, heating, and potable water infrastructure. Eighth, we maintain that the Russian Federation's inventory of caliber cruise missiles is critically low based on the continued decline of launches from the Black Sea Fleet with even fewer caliber missiles involved in the February 15th and 16th attack compared to the attack on February 9th and 10th. And finally, we maintain that there is a risk of a nuclear accident caused by the de-energization of Ukrainian nuclear power plants as a result of Russian electrical infrastructure destruction. (laughs) 
Let's get some regional updates, starting in Kharkiv. In the Dorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported positional fighting in the area of Hryanikivka. Artillery exchanges continued, with both combatants claiming the line of conflict had stabilized. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational direction, the GSAFU reported that Novoselivska was shelled, while the Russian MOD claimed that Ukraine launched an attack from the settlement, which failed. The Russian MOD also claimed that Russian forces launched an attack in the direction of Stelmachivka, but did not make any specific territorial control gains. In the Kremina operational area, fighting between squad and platoon-sized groups with tanks making hit-and-run attacks continued from Ploshanka to the banks of the Severskidonets River near Shiplivka. Fighting continues to be intense, particularly west, southwest, and south of Kremina, with fighting occurring between combatants only 30 to 50 meters apart. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Makievka from Ploshanka and were unsuccessful. Russian forces also attempted to advance in the Nevsky direction, also without success. The GSAFU reported that Chervonopopivka and Pishane were shelled throughout the day, and a Ukrainian source reported that Russian troops continued to make wave attacks of squad and platoon size on Ukrainian defenses near the previously mentioned settlements and Zhitlivka. Fighting continued northwest, west, southwest, and south of Kremina, with Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Serhii Haidai reporting that the intensity of attacks continued to increase. Artillery and rocket attacks by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS, continued, with fighting reported near Dibrova and in the Serebriansky woods. A video showed Ukrainian troops had captured a Russian defensive position and secured military equipment and ammunition. We couldn't geolocate the position, but weather conditions verified the video was recorded within the last 48 hours. Ukrainian artillery destroyed a tank in the center of Shiplivka. In the Lysychansk operational area, a Ukrainian source reported that a Russian DRG unit attacked Shriorivka with no additional details beyond it was a, quote, weak attempt. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported continued fighting near Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, with Governor Khaidai saying that the Russian attacks were intense. The Russian MOD made a generic claim on progress in Luhansk, stating, quote, Motorized infantry of the Central Military District broke through the enemy's echelon defenses in a wooded area in the Luhansk People's Republic. End quote. We follow over two dozen Russian mill bloggers, propagandists, and journalists, and only one mentioned the claim. Governor Khaidai dismissed the claim as untrue although he also claimed that Russian forces had not crossed the Luhansk-Donetsk administrative border, which is incorrect based on the most recent intelligence we reviewed. Our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, PMC Wagner target, and failed Mobik, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, responded to the Kremlin claim with his usual snark, saying, quote, It seems that the Russian Federation Ministry of Defense no longer even knows what the term defense in depth means, since advancing three kilometers is called a breakthrough. By the standards of the Second World War, 
advancing three kilometers meant possibly overcoming only the first line of echelon defense, and behind it should go the second, and then maybe the third. However, how should I know what our talented generals are taught in the academies now? Maybe they already have declared the capture of each platoon's strong point and called it a strategic operation. End quote. In northeast Donetsk, in the Kremina operational area, the Russian MOD reported their forces attacked in the direction of Yampolivka, but did not make any specific claims of establishing new areas of territorial control. In the Siversk operational area, PMC Wagner and Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Vesele from Yakovlivka and Ferorivka from Mykolaivka. In the Solidar operational area, mercenary millblogger Wurganzo reported PMC Wagner continued their attacks on Rozdolivka but remained unable to advance. A video showed two Ukrainian soldiers walking on the western edge of Krasnohora. Our analysts reviewed the content and concluded the video was recorded before February 13th and did not provide proof that PMC Wagner has been pushed back. A second video was likely recorded on February 14th, showing a Ukrainian soldier claiming that a Russian position in Krasnohora had been captured with abandoned weapons. We could not geolocate the video to validate the location. We made a very minor change to the map, but based on available information, we maintain that Krasnohora is under Russian military control. In the Bakhmut operational area, intense fighting continued in and near Paraskovryevka, with Wargonzo claiming Ukrainian forces were surrounded. Although Wargonzo founder Semyon Pegov is providing PMC Wagner head Yevgeny Prigozhin with a platform, Prigozhin dismissed Pegov's claim, writing, quote, You get the feeling that everyone has fled here, he means Bakhmut, and there is no one. Ukraine is empty, and we are enjoying the sweetness there. We invite everyone who wants to take machine guns and run to grab the surrounded enemy by the ass, end quote. Quick editor's note, for clarity, surrounded is in quotation marks, emphasis Prigozhin, and was meant to be sarcastic in this context. Prigozhin is going through some things. Russian journalist Alexander Simonov, reporting on the situation in Paraskovyevka, wrote, quote, The armed forces of Ukraine do not stop the resistance, and the hardest battles are going on. The enemy artillery works especially hard on us. The route to Slovyansk passes through it, he means Paraskovyevka, which has so far been only partially cut. Ukrainian military personnel uses underground tunnels to shelter personnel and equipment, as well as covert movement between positions. End quote. Russian war reporter and propagandist for Russia TV, Zhenya Padubny, provided an eyewitness account, saying, quote, The command of the armed forces of Ukraine in this direction acts skillfully. The enemy, Ukraine, is already building a new road through the fields in order to provide transportation both to Bakhmut and to the outskirts. Artillery of Ukraine is constantly working both along the front line and along the nearby rear. The fighters of PMC Wagner do not have enough ammunition. Paraskovievka is not surrounded. Our forces have only managed to take the supply and evacuation routes under fire control. End quote. Intense fighting in the eastern and southern regions of Bakhmut continued, with no change in the situation. 
Mercenary mill blogger Rybar reported, without providing a source, that PMC Vogner was fighting in the Mariupol Cemetery in southern Bakhmut. Prigozhin now thinks that a technical encirclement of Bakhmut won't be achieved until March or April, and blamed elites in high-rises for putting, quote, sticks in the spokes of the wheel, end quote, preventing additional progress. He added that Ukraine receiving new heavy weapons from the West, quote, may affect the timing, end quote. On February 3rd, a more optimistic Prigozhin mocked Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's vow to, quote, fight as long as we can, end quote, to hold Bakhmut, saying, quote, many people are asking you to withdraw troops from Bakhmut. Do not do that. Bakhmut is the main event of the war. Resist. Fight to the end. End quote. Eleven days later, though, Prigozhin was more frustrated, saying, quote, Every day from 300 to 500 new fighters approach Bakhmut in all directions. Artillery fire is getting stronger every day. End quote. Well, you asked for it. You literally asked for it. In the Kostyantinivka operational direction, Ukrainian troops continued to pressure PMC Wagner and Russian positions south and southeast of Ivanivsky. East of Stupochki, a graphic video showed members of the Georgia Legion had captured a Russian position east of the Seversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal. The video, which some may find disturbing, showed Russian troops being hit by mortar fire. A second video from the day before showed the position of the Georgia Legion, which PMC Wagner had attempted to take overnight, suffering heavy losses. This video is also graphic, and some may also find it disturbing. As with most of the photos and videos we reference, we do link to both in the full situation report on Patreon. Based on the geolocated information and weather conditions aligning to the last 48 to 72 hours, we push the line of conflict further east. A video recorded before the recent snowstorm showed a Russian firebase and ammunition depot in Klishyivka being destroyed by Ukrainian counterbattery. The latest PMC Wagner map indicates that Ukrainian forces have advanced to the northern edge of Klishyivka, but because the salient is so narrow and Russian forces have firebases in the settlement, we don't believe that this is likely. Our assessment here? We maintain that Russia will do everything it can to capture Bakhmut. We further assess that a Russian capture of Bakhmut by February 24th is impossible without a dramatic change in the situation. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdivka operational area, the same Ukrainian source reported continued fighting in the direction of the Krasnohorivka Plateau. Southeast of Novopokrovska and 14 kilometers from the line of conflict, a Ukrainian firebase and ammunition depot was destroyed by Russian drone-directed counterbattery. The strike also destroyed several vehicles. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance out of Vodyana, west into Pervomaiske, and made another unsuccessful attack on the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. In the Marinka operational area, it's the first time in months that we've recorded a noteworthy territorial gain in Marinka, and not a single Russian source claimed it. Fighting was reported by Ukrainian and Russian sources, 
with a geolocated video showing a Ukrainian tank firing on a Russian defensive position in the northwest part of the settlement. Based on the video, we adjusted the map, advancing Russian forces 500 meters west, north of the reservoirs. Russian artillery was unusually quiet, with only sporadic shelling reported. Vladlen Tatarsky shared a video from the Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, People's Militia, showing conditions in eastern Marinka. The video shows a captured M113 armored personnel carrier, or APC, and a makeshift morgue that Ukrainian troops allegedly created with approximately 40 corpses in body bags. You will need Telegram to watch the video, and it is undeniable that fighting has been bloody and intense for almost a year. Fighting also continued east of Pobida, with no change in the situation. In the Uhlidar operational area, the 1st Army Corps renewed attacks on eastern Novomikhailivka and maintained an almost nine-year tradition of being unsuccessful. Fighting has increased in intensity south of Uhlidar in the Mikilska Dachas and on the approaches of the settlement. The situation is reported to be stable, with Russian forces using infantry fighting vehicles or IFVs to provide cover fire and deploy and evacuate dismounts, while tanks provide indirect fire. Russia has moved more artillery into the area and is saturating Ukrainian positions to support attempted advances, which remain unsuccessful. Further west, Russian forces attempted to advance on Prechestivka and were also unsuccessful. In the DNR, the Russian FSB has blocked all access to the Google search engine and the Zoom meeting client. There were also widespread reports of internet outages throughout the region. The 3.5 rubles per liter price limit for drinking water went into effect in the occupied territories, with retailers finding a unique way to comply with the government decree. There were widespread reports that bottled water was, quote, out of stock, while self-fill stations that provide filtered water were priced at 3 rubles per liter and were inoperative. Most of occupied Donetsk does not have access to tap water. Moving on to Zaporizhia. In the Orehiv operational area, a geolocated video showed a Ukrainian tank firing on a Russian defensive position between Novodanilivka and Robotene. Based on the new intelligence, we made a small change to the war map, moving the line of conflict closer to Novodanilivka. In Vasilivka, a Russian Pantsir S-1M surface-to-air missile system upgraded to, quote, detect and destroy all types of enemy drones, end quote, according to Bekhan Ozdoyev, was destroyed by a Ukrainian artillery strike using a 155mm GPS-guided Excalibur shell. Ironically, the destruction of the $14.7 million anti-aircraft system, the very first recorded destruction of an S-1M, was recorded by a Ukrainian drone. Russia launched 36 cruise missiles at Ukraine on February 15th and 16th. There was little information at the time of recording, but there were reports of damage in Zaporizhia. There was no reported change in the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, and we don't know the status of reactors 5 and 6. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, 
Operational Command South, or OCS, reported there were six vessels of the Black Sea Fleet on patrol, including one frigate, which launched eight-caliber cruise missiles at Ukrainian targets. After the attack, another frigate was deployed, also capable of launching eight-caliber missiles. Mikhail Razvozhayev, the Russian-appointed governor of Sevastopol, claimed that Russian air defenses shot down two Ukrainian drones over the Black Sea. In western and central Ukraine, in Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces traded sporadic artillery strikes across the Dnipro River. Residential areas were shelled in the city of Kherson and the surrounding suburbs, as well as Bereslav. In Poltava, there were reports of explosions near Kremenchuk, but at the time of recording it was unclear if this was due to air defense or drone or missile attacks. In Dnipropetrovsk, there were also reports of explosions in Dnipro, but no other information. Dnipropetrovsk Oblast administrative and military governor Serhii Lysak reported a Russian cruise missile struck a residential neighborhood in Pavlohrad, destroying houses and a business. A 79-year-old pensioner was killed and seven others were wounded. In Lviv, a Russian cruise missile hit critical infrastructure. Before yesterday's attack, it was reported that the electrical substations and thermal plant that serve the area were already almost totally destroyed. A cruise missile struck a critical energy facility in Kirovorad. There was no other information at the time of recording. On the Russian front, there is an unconfirmed report that Russian air defense in Bilgorod accidentally shot down their own air-launched cruise missile, or ALCM, as it was heading towards Ukraine. Good job, guys. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.